I'm preaching today from the book of Mark, chapter 4, and I want to just tell the story. So we're going to read a handful of verses, and I'm giving you a moment to find Mark, chapter 4. And since I cannot see you, I'll just pray that you will give some indication with one another. Yes, we found it. Okay. Mark chapter 4. Are you ready? Verse 35. And I'm reading from the King James Version today. Four verses. And the same day. Say it with me. The same day. Everybody say it again. The same day. When even was come, or in the evening, Jesus said to his men, he said this, let us pass over unto the other side. When even was come, he said, let us pass over to the other side. Here's verse 36. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. That means he was already there in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he, meaning Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? So if you're taking a note and you need a title, I'm preaching today this title, this thought, On the Other Side. On the Other Side. Amen. Now, we're just going to pray together, so, so um, we'll just bow our heads to do it. Uh, wherever you are, we'll do that together. Are you ready? Father, we're thankful for this moment. I pray the anointing of the Holy Spirit would rest upon each person as they're watching this feed, as they're watching this sermon, hearing it, Lord. I pray that your your spirit, your presence would be in their homes, at their tables, in their living rooms, wherever they may be. I pray, Lord, that the glory of God might be made manifest in these days. And we thank you, Lord, for giving us this opportunity, Lord. We pray every blessing and every prayer in the matchless name of Jesus Christ because your word said, and whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And we are thanking you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said amen. Amen. Mark chapter 4. Jesus was teaching a multitude of people He often taught hundreds, if not thousands. In fact, there were so many people that he stood on the bow of the boat as a preacher might stand on a platform. His stage encompassed the placid waters of the Galilean Sea, and the people heard him. It's the book of Mark, and we can see the Lord as he teaches in parables. The crowd does not... Wayne, though his words are mixed with metaphors and similes. Jesus uses their understanding of the tangible to relay supernatural aspects of the kingdom, all of which are cloaked in a cloudy mix of symbolic references to things they just cannot 
grasp. He will say, the kingdom is like a sower. It almost seems simple, but they can't wrap their minds around his allegorical phrase. Even the disciples are often confused, and they ask him in verse 10, of the parable, tell us. They want to know the meaning. What's behind those words? How can we decipher them? And why all the smoke and mirrors? Jesus said in verse 11, and I quote, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. You see, the Lord is not ready to reveal himself. He's planting seeds of faith, however, along the way. He's looking for those who will be hungry to know him and to learn of him. He's building a people who, in fact, will seek him and search for him. From verse 1 of Mark 4 to all the way to verse 32, he speaks in parables. He's talking both to the multitude and to his disciples. He's relaying messages, both hidden and open, about his word, the sower, the seed, and the soil. The Lord also speaks of a harvest, a sickle, and a mustard seed. All of it part and parcel of the same kingdom, that talk that exudes from his every breath. All of it in the same chapter. And from the scripture, we know that Jesus taught all day long. From morning and midday, even into the evening, he spoke in parables and taught them. Nothing but hidden messages and allegories and likenesses of things connected to something they could not possibly imagine. In fact, the Bible says he did not say anything to them without using a parable. When he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. The disciples were privy to the explanation, but for whatever reason, the crowd stayed and they had to be shoved or sent or shooed away. Remember now, it's evening time. A full day of teaching has taken place a warm sun beating down speaking loudly as the lord would have had to speak to his ever-pressing crowd he's been standing atop his own wooden boat platform jesus has surely exhausted himself for that entire day and now comes the mystery jesus says to his disciples the lot of them were seaworthy men fishermen by trade he says let us pass over unto the other side the Sea of Galilee. I've taken several trips to Israel, and each trip, of course, we take a little boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. I've been on that sea several times. Our boat isn't very large. In fact, it's a small boat. I've been there on those waters. We always go out and then come back to the same place that we began. However, the last time our captain brought us to the other side of the sea to a family olive press, we started out a little late. We caught, in fact, the last boat of the day. The sun was already going down when we pushed off from shore. And about halfway through, across that Sea of Galilee, the darkness overtook us. Those surrounding hills, the mountains, seemed to swallow the light. We, we could see dim lights on the other side of the water. And, of course, our own boat had some lights on it. But in... That day, the day of Jesus, there were no lights echoing from some kibbutz or some family olive mill. There were no hotels or shoreline restaurants outlining themselves with cascading strands. Maybe when the disciples pushed off, maybe they saw a handful of fires blinking off in the distance. But the sea, with all that reaching and tall terrain, was made for the night. Those waters hold a darkness all its own. 
When the day was spent, Jesus said, let's pass over to the other side. And they obeyed the master and they set their course. None of them knew what would befall them on that night. No one knew a storm was brewing off in the distance, the likes of which none of them had ever seen. Remember, everyone, the Jewish crowd, the multitude has gone home. Jesus is now directing his men to go to the other side. The disciples might have been perplexed by the storm and the timing, but Jesus was not surprised. He knew the Lord is never surprised. Jesus, the image of the invisible God in bodily form, this self-proclaimed I am that I am, is commissioning his faithful men to journey across the waters to the other side, and they are willing to do that without question. They obey him. Why wouldn't they obey him? He was Jesus. He was their healer, the teacher. He was their personal rabbi and leader. We know more than they know. Jesus was and is the God manifest in the flesh, according to 1 Timothy 3.16. His name would be called the Everlasting Father, according to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He was, and I quote, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. He knew aforetime before time because he was not just in time he was before all of it in fact the bible says all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made paul put it like this for by him were all things created that are in heaven that are in earth visible and invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him and he is before all things and by him all things consist and he jesus is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. This is who told them to pass to the other side. This is the one who instructed them. He was more than just one of them. He was the incarnate God of whom the apostle wrote, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. This Emmanuel was their daytime teacher and now their nighttime passenger. When he was teaching, he stood on the bow of the boat. But the Bible says that in the evening time, he climbed in the back. He laid his head on a pillow and fell asleep in the stern. Herein was the lesson lost that day on his disciples. Whether Jesus, hear me now, whether Jesus is in the front of your boat or in the back, as long as he is in your boat, you have nothing, as long as he's in your life, you have nothing to fear. Now watch now. The Lord falls asleep and the disciples are left to battle the storm. The tempest rises. The Bible calls it a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship. They are toiling through the night. They are trying to keep it afloat. The waves rise and fall, crashing down. They batter the wooden vessel that holds them. And to them, those disciples, it seems hopeless. The boat is filling with water. They're working hard to remove it. It is a turmoil that they were not ready. They were not ready for. They were not ready to receive. A struggle that they admitted that they were losing. What began so well was ending so tragically a full day with Jesus how wonderful it was they had found themselves with the sun shining on their heads and now they are lost in their own familiar waters 
The night has overtaken them. There are no fiery torches to light their way. There are no watchtowers or lighthouses or casting lights to guide them through the darkness. There's nothing there. No one is there to comfort them through the struggle. It's just them and the sea. And doubt has now overtaken them. They believe that their boat will break apart. They become convinced that they are going to die. They know it. They believe it. They will even come to question the Lord's intentions for their very lives. Those men all of them will come to the brink of their belief until it slips into the abyss of fear the waves the wind the inevitable provokes them to question the Lord's heart and they say master don't you care that we perish that's what the storm will do It'll wear you out. It will cause confusion and doubt. It will make you doubt the very nature of God. Whether in sickness or in tragedy or chaos or in your own family or family trouble, a lost child, an illness with no remedy. Fear does its greatest work in the unknown. It spreads faster in the night when there's no guiding light. Even the strongest believer and Christian might languish in the raging waters, the toil and the struggle and the uncertainty of it all culminating in darkness of night why are we in this mess in the first place why did the lord want us to go to the other side what's so important about the other side that we had to start out in the evening and what happens to our families if we perish here in these waters where is god doesn't god care about us these questions are being Posed right now in America and the world. Newsprint, headlines, bewilderment. The world at large, our own country is asking this question right now, this very day. Where is God? Think of those disciples struggling in those uncertain times. The very place that once provided for them. The waters from which those fishermen had garnished their living suddenly and without warning took on the form of a watery grave. The same sea that fed their families instantly wrapped itself around them like iron shackles, pulling them down to the depths. Dark waters without mercy, all of it looking implacable and unsparing. They were as good as dead and they knew it. They could sense the tempest and its rage and they said, Jesus, don't you care if we die? In the darkness, you see, in the night, when it all looks hopeless and fear grips the imagination of mankind, that is when we stumble at the intention of the Holy Spirit. We've got to get back to the intention of the Holy Spirit. Fear takes on a life of its own. At times like these, it's hard to find the reason. In fact, when it's night and fear becomes the substance... The plight of the kingdom and the direction of his voice seems murky and at best cold and indifferent. Jesus is lying in the stern and he's asleep. I want to tell you, this is not the time to fear. And I'm not at the end of this message just yet, but I'm compelled to pause long enough to show everyone three words in the story. Verse 38 Jesus is asleep. He's in the stern. His head is resting on the pillow. But listen to the next three words in the following, ver- in the next verse. King James says it like this. And he arose. The NIV says he got up. The contemporary English version says it like this. Jesus got up and ordered the wind and the waves to be quiet. Watch out. Something wonderful happens when Jesus gets up. 
secularism cannot shut him down the devil cannot keep him hold him down and the grave cannot keep him down when Jesus gets up something great and powerful is going to happen oh yes he's going to put order back in our world he's going to bring life back where everything was dead when he gets up hope is certain to rise and love is certain to flourish the voice is going to speak when Jesus gets up I wish you'd just clap your hands at your table I wish you'd just rejoice a little bit in your living rooms because the Lord he is going to rise back up yeah See, Jesus doesn't see the night like we see it. We're bound by time and space. We're held hostage by logic, trapped by the temporal. We are conflicted with our current circumstance. But our great God does not see it the way we see it. In fact, the psalmist was talking to himself. And he said, and I quote, in Psalm 139 and 11, If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness to you, Lord, it's not dark to you. The night will shine like the day for the darkness is as light to you. He doesn't see it like we're seeing it he's got a purpose in our moment there's a reason for our time Uh, the disciples are struggling and I'm not making light of their struggle and though Jesus marveled at their unbelief we ought not laud ourselves too much because we have their story they're living their story we have the whole book they're writing the second half We're looking at the start of their day when the sun was shining. And we can also see the end of the night when the Lord says, peace be still. So I'm not here to cast those men into the cauldron of the faithless. But I must declare today that regardless of how meager the boat looks, how awful the time might be, if the Lord is in your life, if you'll get the Lord in your home and your daily life, His presence alone is the greatest buoyancy device ever known to mankind. You cannot possibly sink if Jesus is anywhere in your life. He's on the same sea. He's in their same boat. But his mission was not to perish in that water. His mission was to die on the cross. The Sea of Galilee was a long way from Calvary. Those waters were not deep enough to take him down. Jesus said it this way, no one can take my life. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to raise it up again. The sea was not the end because his blood had yet to be spilled. His stripes given for our healing had yet to be laid on his back. He was still in the walking, still, still walking in the will of the Father. And the cup had yet to be offered. And it was not going to end in that place. Something else was going on that day. And I'm here to proclaim to everybody, this is not the end. Something else is going on in our country and in our world. The Lord has a reason. He put us here for a cause and a reason and we're going to pass to the other side because there's a man on the other side there's something on the other side of where we are right now and I know it's hard to see it they couldn't see it Jesus was ministering to the Jews all day long from verse 1 to verse 32 he was ministering to the Jewish people but he was on his way to plant another seed in the life of another man who would open up another door to the whole Gentile race But of course, 
The disciples are in turmoil. They're responding to their situation by fear. And they are bewildered by the Lord's disposition. His disciples say, we're going to die. And then Jesus got up and stood up and spoke up. And he said, peace be still. And those raging waters become placid again. The waves draw down and they bow before his omnipotent tone. The voice of the creator has spoken and the elements have surrendered their inclination to the sound of his command and left the disciples in awe they were in awe insomuch that they said one to another what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him the night has been spent the whole thing is exhausting it's inexplicable no rhyme or reason why now why this Things were going so well. We were having such a good time. Everything seemed to be flourishing. But the next scene features the safe shoreline of the other side. And they make it. Seems to me in the morning they made it. On the other side and they land in the country of the Gadarenes. I won't expound on the whole today. But there was a man there. He's a man possessed. He's bound by what the Bible calls a legion of demons. A legion would be 6,000 demons. He's afflicted. He's torn from the inside out. He is the maniac of Gadara. And no one can control him. He's out of order. He's afflicted. He tears at his own flesh. He cuts himself with sharp stones. He pierces himself. He lives among the tombs. He cries night and day. He causes havoc wherever he goes. He's unsettled. He's naked. He's lost. He is, and he also represents the hopeless. That man of whom Jesus came to see is the self-inflicted sinner with no help. He is a lost world. He's in a dead-end tunnel with no possibility of escape. He's on a dead-end road, and he don't know. He does not know how to get out, and nobody can help him. Modern medicine cannot heal him. Material things cannot satisfy him. Education cannot give him understanding. Human engineering cannot fill the void in the pit in his life. There's a man, ladies and gentlemen, for every believer that hears my voice today. There's a world on the other side. We are going to see something powerful on the other side of this moment. And Jesus steps onto the other side of the country of the Gadarenes. And the man, so afflicted and tormented, runs to Jesus. He falls at the feet of the Lord. And those spirits cry out for mercy. Jesus speaks to those impregnable forces. And they run in fear of torment. And there remains the man. Free. The reason for the journey will be found sitting and clothed and in his right mind. I got to do that again. That man whom Jesus came to deliver is seen healed. He's balanced. He's thoughtful. He's cured. And there's nothing like the emotional and mental healing of a person. Sickness, cancer, diabetes, tumors, those ailments, those are wonderful miracles. When they take place, we rejoice over those. And we should rejoice when they happen. But there's something special and powerful about the healing of the mind and the emotional spirit in the heart. Uh, People come to see him. The one who caused such havoc and trouble. The man who had been bound and the man who had, had wrecked everything. They run out to see him. The Bible says they found him. And I'll say it again, sitting, there's a calmness. 
that's appropriate conduct. He's clothed, the Bible said, that's respect for others. He, put us, he puts on clothes, it's decency, it's propriety. It is decorum and dignity in any age, at any time. And finally, the Bible says, he's in his right mind. It was a renewed spirit filled with rational and rationale and sensibilities. He has reason and comprehension, all transmitted with intelligent communication. Can you hear this? Can you see it now? Listen, I know that Jesus will go a long way just to heal one person. He's not given to just speaking to the multitude only. He'll travel a great distance to find just you and just me, just a few or maybe just one. He's no respecter of persons, which means that there are no levels out of his reach. He never considers the status of an individual, their condition or their level of living. Jesus saves to the uttermost. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. But the day he said to his disciples, let us pass over to the other side. There is a great reason because there's a man on the other side. And while his immediate people around him did not receive him, someone else was about to receive him. On the other side, are the, on this side is, are the Jewish people, but on the other side are the Gentiles. On this side, where they began, was the biological descendants of Abraham, but on the other side... There's someone else. It's the Gentile race. On this side are the sons and daughters of the free. But on the other side are the sons and daughters of the bondwoman. They are the world. There's a man on the other side. I've got to teach him. I've got to reach him. Here's the verse. Speaking of the man who was delivered, the Bible says of him, and he departed, this man that was delivered, he began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus has done for him, and all men did marvel. Decapolis. It was a region southeast of the Sea of Galilee. It wasn't just one place, but Decapolis was the location of ten cities. They were made up of mostly Greeks, Gentiles, people far removed from the children of Israel. The man on the other side was the door to ten cities. A ten-city region. A revival of immense proportions. Not one city... Not one people, not one village, but ten. The man of Gadara went to Decapolis and became the greatest witness of his time. He told of the great stories and the great things that Jesus had done for him. Seeds of revival were being planted in ten cities. A host of families, unknown members of people, were given first-hand testimony from a man who had once been possessed with 6,000 demons. His remaining scars had a redemptive view Jesus the healer the master the one who speaks and all hell bows down on the other side on the other side of this I wish somebody could just have the faith right now to see it I know we're in a storm I know there is confusion I know there is fear we may not be able to see what's going on we may not be able to reason out or understand why we're all going through this moment but I tell you there's going to be a great revival on the other side on the other side I'm here to proclaim backsliders are going to find their way back to God because they know something's about to break loose I've got to get right with God where you're at I wish you would just clap your hands wherever you're at I wish you would just call out to the Lord and just say here's the Bible Job prophesies this 
He says, it shall come to pass afterwards, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon my handmaids. In those days will I pour out of my spirit. This is what Peter said. He said when he, when he was preaching in Acts chapter 2, he said, this is that. The Holy Ghost outpouring is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It began there, but it's not over. I feel right now that we're all in a storm and it's dark and we're trying to struggle through it. It's murky. We don't know what God's intentions are, but I feel like he's going to bring us to a new place, another side, and we're going to find somebody there. It's going to be a great revival. I want to pray right now that God would open up a worldwide revival that every country would hear the name. Let me just read five verses prior to the scriptures I just read. Joel 2.23. Here's what the prophet said. Be glad then, ye children of Israel, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, moderately. And he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former and the latter rain in the first month. Mm. See, the man on the other side is our world. They are bound. They are oppressed. They are lost in dissolution. Money cannot buy them health. Modern medicine cannot fully fix their broken bodies. Material things we know cannot satisfy them. Things are wasting away. All of it looks so empty now. Education cannot offer them the understanding they so desperately desire. And yes, human engineering cannot fill the void in their life. But I say today, Jesus is on his way. When he gets up to speak, peace be still, he has a reason. And the next day, we're going to get to the other side. I believe that there is a powerful, unmatched revival on the other side of the storm so wherever you are you need to make your life right with God put the Lord in your life put him in your boat you're not going down you're not going to fail you're not going to drown God's going to lift us up if he's anywhere in the vicinity he's going to raise you up he's going to raise the church up I know things will forever be changed And priorities are shifting even as I speak. Because there's a realness of life and death and hope and health and eternity. And it's all being weighed in the balance. And I preached through the church this morning. Jesus is in our life. Even if we cannot see him, even in our darkest days, we are going somewhere. There's a purpose and a reason and the kingdom is about to explode. There's revival and there's a hungry soul. And there's a witness that's going to reach ten cities and unmatched revival. I pray and I prophesy about unmatched revival. God's going to bring back a mighty church. A salvation, not for one family, but for cities. For entire cities are going to be a revival. Amen. There's a difference between the word and the power of positive speaking. The power of positive speaking, it's, it's short. It falls short. It's empty. It's, it's, it's unmatched uh, uh, in other circles except when it comes to the scripture. Uh, people who have made a lot of money on the power of positive speaking. I'm not preaching the power of positive speaking. I'm preaching the word of God that in the middle of our darkness, God has a reason for what we're going through. He has a cause and God's going to bring us through it. 
And here's my final scripture. Here's the word for our day. And I hope you take a highlighter on a pen. I want you to find your Bibles. The book of Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. I want you to go back. It's Now you got to go back. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. So you get to Philippians chapter 1. And you get an ink pen out or you get a marker out. And you highlight this verse. Here's the word that Paul wrote. Here's the word for our lives. Here is what we're holding on to. Here's what God has commissioned us to know. Here's Paul saying, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Being confident of this very thing. Come help me singers. We're going to sing a little bit. Because I know whatever has happened, God has a meaning for it. There's a reason why we're going to the other side. Being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you. When it was day. When the sun was shining. When the stock market was, was creeping up record days every day when there was enough food to go around when everybody felt good about life he that had begun a good work in you he'll perform it until the day of Jesus Christ I'll read it again we're confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in us he's going to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ I want us to pray that God would give us open doors to talk to people. You might have to call them on the phone. You might have to send them a letter. You tell them, I'm praying for you. You tell every friend and neighbor, every person who doesn't know the Lord and every person who does know the Lord. You tell everyone who's discouraged and every backslider, anybody. You tell them the Lord's going to come back. But we're in the storm right now. I'm reaching out to everybody. The work is not done. There's a revival going to come. We're going to reach cities. We're going to reach entire communities. We're going to see baptisms of the Spirit and of the water. We're going to see healings and miracles. It's not over. It might look a little dark right now, but it's not over.